Do you ever constantly feel like you're falling behind and can never catch up and the stress and anxiety are taking over? Are you used to being productive and efficient, but lately you've been feeling sluggish and unable to stay focused for more than a few minutes at a time? Looking for an alternate choice to cut back on those energy drinks and giant cups of coffee? Then we've got the choice for you. Try Neuro. Neuro is a brand of gum and mints used to energize, calm, and focus whenever you need it. Neuro was developed by former athletes training at the highest level who didn't want to take mysterious supplements or energy drinks when studying, training, or going out. Instead of something sugary and ineffective, they wanted to create clean, balanced energy that could be taken anywhere, anytime. With thoughtfully curated ingredients and endless lab testing means that you can reach the right state of mind safely and consistently. Get that clean burst of energy and focused without the effects of coffee or energy drinks. It's a smart way to fuel body and mind. Stay in the zone, avoid the jitters, and crashing. Our listeners will get an automatic discount of up to 20% off on any gum or mint products using our link, tryneurogum.com slash potential. That's tryneurogum.com slash potential. Once again, that's tryneurogum.com slash potential. Order now. Get that clean burst of energy and focus. And remember, know your potential. Reviewing the latest in movies, TV series, video games, books, and more. This is Potential Picks. Hello, and welcome back to another edition of Potential Picks. I'm your host, Chris Dewar. I'm joined by my fellow co-host and tribute, Taylor Sokol. Today, reviewing the latest dystopian action film, The Hunger Games, The Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes. This is from a screenplay by Michael Leslie and Michael Arndt, and directed by Francis Lawrence. Of course, based on the book by Suzanne Collins, who wrote all the Hunger Games films. Um, Sorry, who wrote all the Hunger Games books. So we read this book back when it came out in 2020. We reviewed it. It's actually one of our, you know, we've only done a few books on this channel. We've always said we're going to do more, but who has time to read? What we did back during the pandemic when we were really doing nothing. And uh, Taylor and I, we both reviewed this. It's on the podcast. Um, We both enjoyed the book. We enjoyed what this story was. And naturally, when we read the book, we were like, they're going to make a movie out of this. And sure enough, here we are, 2023, getting a prequel of The Hunger Games, a little take on snow at a very different time for Pan Am, a different time for the capital, and a very different set of Hunger Games compared to what we are accustomed to during Katniss's time, uh, which, again, you have to remember, when Katniss plays, it's the 74th and 75th Hunger Games. This is the 10th. So a lot lot different so we decided we're not really going to do spoilers today um you know we want you to enjoy this film for what it is but we're going to talk about the base plot the actors and of course the production and how the film turned out so taylor what's a brief synopsis of the hunger games the ballad of songbirds and snakes so as you said it's set 64 years uh, before the events of the first film first book and it plot follows the events that lead to young Coriolanus Snow becoming 
presidents know that we know uh, for the games is he's on the path to becoming this tyrannical leader of Pan Am, including his uh, main relationship with Hunger Games District 12 tribute Lucy Gray Baird during the 10th Hunger Games. So yeah, as you said, this is a really great material because in this universe that Suzanne Collins created, there is so much time that has gone on throughout this. You know, you think about dystopian, you know, stories. Um, sometimes they happen like right after. You know, think of like movies and games like The Last of Us, where it kind of um, maybe set twenty years. I mean, this is set like this is a long time that we are living in this kind of period where, you know, great wars and they have these barbaric games to keep these districts in line to remind them hey this is where we kind of came from whatnot so you're seeing a time where hunger games are very much still in their infancy they're not the spectacle that they were um uh it's very kind of bare bones there's not these you know great kind of arena it's like you know welcome to the thunderdome that's it good luck and um um they don't take care of the the tributes they just kind of throw them in a cart it's like a cattle call and it's like so the idea that and this is kind of scary that you know suzanne collins you know came out with this and it's kind of a really great reflection society where it's like people are all about the spectacle but really these people's lives they're literally killing each other to survive but the idea that people are watching and they're like you know sending food or things like that you know kind of interesting but let's jump right into it. I mean, you know, we love the book. We really enjoy the book. And if you have not read the book and you listen to this review, that is okay. But if you're a true fan of the hunger games books, you'll definitely have read this and are with us here. Um, right off the bat, we, I think we both agree. This is probably one of the most faithful adaptations you can get from a book to movie, movie to book. Um, they really did a great job. I think um, tying everything in that they had from the book into this, you know, over two hour film. What I really, uh, what I really enjoyed right off the bat, great casting. I mean, when you have, mm-hmm. um, you know, for those of you who are fans of the Hunger Games, you know, movies, casting for President Snow, um, Donald Sutherland, what a treat. I mean, he just says such a great villain. And to how are we going to cast someone who would eventually become this person, you know, 64 years later? Uh, Tom Blythe, who plays a young Coriolana Snow, he does such a great job of, as you see the kind of turmoil as he's he's trying to save his family's legacy. Um, at the same time, you know, he's I'm, he's he's got this drive and desire to do, but he's also questioning, you know, what it is to be to be human. Like, what is it there? But as he still kind of climbing the ranks and trying to prove himself and you really see the kind of turmoil as it goes as he develops a relationship with this girl, his tribute, but he still has a duty to him, his family himself. Well, yeah, he's, he's struggling because there is, you know, obviously a huge amount of, of like expectation in the Capitol. And from what he's known for a couple of years now, studying in the Capitol is there's this plinth prize. There's this prize that if you study the best and you have the best scores in this kind of university, if you will, there's a huge financial prize. Yeah. And this is the first year they changed that. And they decide that no, the winner of this prize will be determined based on how their tributes perform in the Hunger Games. And for the first time, every tribute's going to have a mentor. So, of course, there's all these excitement of who's going to get what tribute. And just as it is when the Hunger Games, when Katniss is involved, it's typically in the fashion that the higher up number wise the district is 
more than likely the you know expectation is the worse off the tribute is going to be it's less money less resources so when he gets a district 12 tribute he almost thinks that he's done for but there's something unique about lucy she sings she has this kind of spunky attitude and he knows that he actually can work with that what he probably didn't expect is that he was going to develop feelings yeah. for her just to, you know and that that really then he has to start playing a very cunning game where he has to essentially cheat throughout the hunger games to almost put his own neck on the line to help her survive yeah. throughout the game now, as we mentioned, this is a very different Hunger Games. This is only the 10th Hunger Games. There's not as much of the bells and whistles. I mean, I, I laugh when you think about, like you you spot on, Taylor, it's almost like this Thunderdome arena compared to the gigantic biome that was, you know, catching fires, you know, yeah. arena. So, well, it was like, you know, it, it was like, uh, you know, most dangerous game. Like, okay, this is perfect. We can hide yeah. in trees and stuff like that. No, like, this literally... is literally, they, just, they put them in a the little arena and here's some weapons and go weapon in the middle and it's like okay right. just go. there's not much you know mortal, places like, to hide it's like a mortal combat tekken you yeah. know arena you got um peter dinklage as high bottom who is the dean of this academy and you could tell that he's a depressed mess of a man who he along with snow's father developed the hunger games and you know i'm sure at the time there's you know they could even do a backstory and that the whole reason why they even built the hunger games as a kind of a way to keep the capital as this powerhouse and keep the tributes, you know, the different, uh, you know, ones in line thinking that, Oh, if we do this, then maybe there'll never be a rise against the capital again. We won't have this uprising again, that, this big war that kind of caused all this chaos. 10 years later, that's gotta, that's gotta hit on you that yes, your job is to come up with these games that kill all these children. So clearly he uh, he hits the bottle quite a bit, uh, but yeah. Dinklage is he's always great. I think just just as he did in Game of Thrones and other things he's been in, he has this ability to have this really sad, like depressed way that he you know he has a chipperness about him, but you could tell he's masking what really is going on. And yeah. then an almost complete opposite of that, you have Viola Davis chewing up the scenery. I mean, good gosh, she's so fun to watch. Cla- classic as, mad sinus as yes, gall um, as gall <laughs> as the head game maker she and i really like this was a very different role for her because where she has a lot more of these more stoic roles like amanda waller and you know um the help all these like more serious stuff um i just love how she really played at the mad scientist i didn't think i i could have seen her go even more over the top because i mean there were some reviews that said oh she's a little too much i thought she could have gone even more broke kind of like in the same vein of like Momoa did and, and Fast X. I would have loved to see her go a little crazy, but she's got the crazy hair. Um, you know, she's got her, different uh, color eyes. Different, yeah, she got the heterochromia. Um, and I just liked it was such a good contrast between uh her character and Dinklage Dinklage's character that you really like like the idea that they were kind of like playing uh-huh. they, they, everyone has their own angle. That's the great thing about it. Everyone mm-hmm. has their own angle. And I love the idea that what's great about this film also in the book is it really shows you the class system that's very different you know the districts have you know they're kind of in disarray and they they have to send you know the kids to the slaughter but it within the capital itself there is a whole different disparity of class you know that like snow is like a wealthy name but they have no money they don't got a pot to piss in literally so it's like it's very interesting to see that 
even these students are just as bloodthirsty as the kids in the uh, in the arena. So it's really, but yeah, casting is great, and I really, I, I, I think <laughs> Lucy Gray Baird in the in the story in the book, you know, has a very you know, has a good fire to it. And I think Rachel Ziegler, I think she did a great job, yeah, uh, of kind of doing that. Not only does she have the singing chops, which you needed for this character, which I thought was very, it's very haunting, very beautiful. But I like that she's such a good contrast for Tom Bly Snow, where he's very, very quiet, very, and he, and he has, and there, I, I almost wish we had more time to continue to develop their, you know, and we talked about this, that I would have almost loved the limited series with this. And they talked about splitting into two movies. I wish there was even more time to develop that kind of stuff. Like there was not enough time. I, I wanted more with them. That's that I was left with wanting more. Well, again, this is a, uh, this is a like two and a half hour movie. And they split it up into three chunks that really do follow the three main chunks of the book. And we won't really go into spoilers about the third chapter, you know, the third kind of chunk. Um, that again, we might have talked about in a review of the book, but you know, it does go to an interesting place for the third section of the film that um, is a little different than the Hunger Game movies we're used to, which yeah. I appreciate. I appreciate kind of what Suzanne decided to go with for Snow, um, which eventually will kind of lead to his turning point to kind of put him on the path to okay well f this i'm going to become the high ruler of pan am by you know by my own means but i do agree the thing that it's, it's so interesting you know the last hunger games film came out like a decade ago now and you um watching this it just reinvigorated my like desire to keep living in this world even though it's a really interesting concept of putting these children to death and and the the darkness that comes with this, which there's a lot of allegories too to like modern day stuff. Now I want more. I want more story. I mean, even when we finished the book, we were like, okay, great, that's a great ending. Now show us the next twenty years of Snow's life. Yeah, what's because, what's because the next? What's the... he's yeah. not president by the end of the book. He's just in a better situation to kind of now take the capital by storm. Yeah, but there then has to be the next chunk where he like builds up even more resume. You know, I could see them doing two more books where it's the next twenty years of his life that gets him to about middle age, and then middle or age even have, up even to have Woody Harrelson's character doing well, like Hamish. You know, there's that's a, there's the a, beauty of all yeah. these characters is you're seeing, as you said, we're seeing the dystopian nature of this world sixty four years later when we watch Katniss's story. Yeah. And there's so many characters that, yeah, Hamish is a complete drunk. And you have to remember the way they describe in the books, his Hunger Games, he was in the second quarter, Kel, and there was twice the amount of tributes. There was 48. Yeah. 48 people to play in this, you know, and he won that one. So, and that turned into a complete depressed alcoholic. So there's so much more they could do with this. Um, now, unfortunately... Even though we think the casting is great, the music was, you know, it's the same composer from all the same movies, James Newton Howard. Um, so you're going to hear a lot of the same themes come up from with, with brand new themes, of course. Again, for this being a different time period, the production budget, everything looks so great. The costumes, the the setting, I, I really respect how they they still had Pen M flair, but again, it's not quite as modernized because it's older. Yes. It's um, very especially you see that a lot yeah. with um, Jason Schwartzman, who's hilarious as 
Lucky Flickerman, who clearly is probably you know an ancestor of Caesar Flickerman. Stanley I think King it's the father. I think it's the father because in the in their I'm maybe grandpa. Spoiler. I'm not sure. Well, or maybe in the father. Yeah. Well, in the spoil and the and there's a one scene when he's like, yeah, let's uh, have a reservation. We need yeah, a high with chair. Baby, yeah. Yeah. So I was like, but Schwartzman did such a great job playing oh up gosh. this. Oh my god! Again, for a, a film that is dark, you're hearing you see all these people die and. And there's a lot of good dark humor. He just, in this. he had all these great little one liners. Um, some that you're just like, it, it really, it tickled me pretty good, but yeah, his whole setup is very like fifties TV show looking compared to the grand scale that Stanley Tucci's, you know, stage looked like. So the movie is doing okay. Box office wise compared yeah. to the juggernaut that was the, you know, None of the Hunger Game movies have made a billion dollars by any means, but the other ones did quite well. Right now, it's sitting around two hundred million off of a hundred million dollar budget, so it's doing okay. I don't think it's quite had the impact that like the older ones did, but I think it's getting a lot of traction from people. So I'm intrigued to see if you know Susan Collins has said she will do another book if she feels like she has something to say. Yeah. So I wonder if, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if not only from the, I'm sure the book sold well, but if the movie's doing decently, you got to imagine there's people out there being like, come on, Suzanne, the world needs more. Down, even down the, the hatches, time to write more. Yeah. Even though the producers have said that they will continue doing movies if there's books to do it on. They're not just going to make up movies, you know, just and to that, do it. And that's I respect the beauty. That. When, yes. And we've talked about this. I mean, you know, case in point, Game of Thrones they went too far off the beaten path of material. And if you mm-hmm. have good source material, I think it is okay to change a little bit, but not to kind of go off the own rails. Like if it were, if it's not broken, don't fix it. Mm-hmm. So I think, yeah, um, I don't I hope she doesn't try to just create stuff just to create stuff. But if, if she's a, as a good author as she is, and she convinced that I think it'd be great, but yeah, I'm really glad that we got to see this into fruition from mm-hmm. the conceptualization from seeing the book, reading the book, excuse me, and then getting huh. to see this. I it really ticked all the boxes for me. I really enjoyed it. Um, one of the best adaptations where you go into this looking forward to these scenes, like how they're gonna do this, and everything met the expectations. I love the casting, um, the design, um, the faithfulness, and just everything was just beautiful. I really enjoyed this. Um Honestly, for, you know, a fan of the book and then this, I'm going to give it a solid nine out of 10. I really enjoyed it. It was just a really good, really good time. And I wouldn't mind uh, going back and watch this. And I hope I actually want to go back and watch the uh, Hunger Games trilogy again. Or quartet. Quadrilogy is it? Is Quadrilogy. Now, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm going to give it a nine out of 10 as well. I thoroughly enjoyed it. I thought the length was great. Um, it's just fun to be back in this world. This new cast is really fun. And of course, there's a little ties and Easter eggs that connect to the story that we know. But uh, it's fun to be back in Pan Am. And I hope we get to go back, um, hopefully not too long from now. But you can now still see The Hunger Games, The Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes. You can see the movie now in theaters. And of course, as we recommend, if you haven't, go back and read the book. And that was this edition of Potential Picks. Thanks for listening to The Potential Podcast. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at The Potential Podcast or on Twitter at The Potential Pod. Or you can email us. Send us your positive feedback and thoughts, suggestions, and more through our email, thepotentialpodcast at yahoo.com. I'm your host, Chris Dewar. And I'm your host, Taylor Sokol. 
Stay tuned for more episodes on pop culture, entertainment, and nerdum. And remember, know, know your, your potential. potential.